skip from clown to trapeze squad to elephant, see? Look, I'm on the train with the circus promise. It's intense. municipalities must stand against this type of fear-mongering and protect their residents, said Melissa Moore, Deputy Director for the Drug Policy Alliance's New York yes. office. That's Your that's my that's Jonathan's sister. Look how smart she is. Let me read her quote again. She's so good. It is unconscionable that immigrants are being targeted and deported for simple possession of marijuana, and it's especially egregious in the states that have a legal framework for marijuana. States and municipalities must stand against this type of fear-mongering and protect their residents. Said Melissa Moore. Yay, Melissa Moore. Yay. Your sister-in-law. Yeah. Hey. Well, kind of. I mean, she's... Good morning. Welcome. G-Money Wolstein. Chilling over here today, having fun. Uh, today is the uh, 37th annual comedy day over there in the uh, Golden Gate Perk. I'm gonna be over there later after I get out of here. Already saw Miss Pam and all them earlier, and that was pretty fun. Uh, fuck it, let's play a little music for half a second and get my shit together. Uh, Professor Wolstein is out today. He is on assignment. <laughs> sitting here thinking about an idea I had the other uh, a couple weeks ago but uh, I was gonna talk to my buddy about it but since he's not here I guess I'll talk to you guys about it um I was thinking those guys are doing that Game of Thrones shit and it was getting me really mad about because like I don't give a fuck about Game of Thrones <laughs> but the uh but I really don't give a fuck about their new idea the um it's it's an old question I used to always ask. I, I think I've asked it on this show. Um, <laughs> do you think slavery would still be a thing if they hadn't passed or passed if the Emancipation Proclamation wasn't a thing? And uh, my money is still on yes, but um, they're gonna take this shit to the big time, basically, and do a Philip K. Dick Man in the High Castle with the uh, slavery in America thing, which I think is gonna be horseshit. But because their show right now is shit. The idea <laughs> that cracks me up, I think would be cool. You can make a fucking um, like a card game out of it. You can make a board game out of it. You can make a video game out of this. What if instead of doing it that way, you turn the shit into like D&D, you know, and had like fucking cool magic and weird like fucking do the whole thing do like the trading cards and put samurai and shit in it um you could also like have like you know you'll have like fucking uh harriet tubman being a fucking like 
12th level wizard type shit you know <laughs> literally do moses shit and part the goddamn uh water apart and shit when she needs to do stuff you got fucking uh like you know robert e lee's like a gandalf style wizard and shit or whatever the dark version is and all that all that shit would be amazing like you could have the fucking chinese rail dudes with their like teched out crazy fucking trains that come in and just blast the shit out of the fucking confederate side you know it would just be amazing like if you really said well fuck it because no one gives a shit anyway the people who care care and the people who don't don't so why not say fuck it and have fun with the motherfucking idea right you know that's my thing i would love to like like you know like have like prayer powers and shit you know they'd be like clerics and fucking all that shit would be amazing like sherman is still my favorite and he would be even cooler in a psychotic crazy um just <laughs> just a badass fire wizard type dude or like just an amazing fucking soldier and all that shit man um yeah like that to me sounds fun like a collectible card game where you like threw down fucking uh you know like a slave chant or a you know? <laughs> boost your dudes and all that stuff like magic the gathering that would be amazing and you would make so much money off of that shit people would play the shit out of that thing because it's kind of familiar kind of not it's far enough away back in the past that like you know the people who give a shit are dead or the people who were there were dead and the other ones are just weird so that's like i think that shit would make so much fucking money and um yeah that's that's my new thing so i'm gonna find somebody who makes like collectible card games there you go i'm gonna find someone who makes collectible card games and do that shit because that's gonna be super fun you know make up like a stack maybe i'll talk to the the other engineer here what do you care all right anyway i stepped on a bird last week after i left the studio stepped on a say stepped on a robin i stepped on a pigeon and uh that was weird i thought i stepped in dog shit which i've never done in this town so i was like broke my fucking streak nope i stepped on this thing and this wing flapped my leg and it just kept on moving so that was pretty weird it felt like i stepped on an oyster which was really gross but uh anyway i could keep on talking and talking and talking shit but we're gonna play the saint with vincent price today and uh we're just gonna do that in one second we're gonna play a little music and then go into the saint
The Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. Hello. Who is... Oh. How is my favorite shipboard acquaintance this evening? Oh, Simon, you, you startled me. I can hardly see you through the fog here on deck. Oh, yes, it is getting thicker, isn't it? <laughs> but I suppose it's to be expected. Last night, nature went on a binge of moonshine, and this is her foggy morning after. Oh, only it's evening. How can you tell through the fog? <laughs> but you know you have a very pretty laugh, Barbara. I'll listen for it in all of your pictures from now on. Thank you, Simon. But I'm... I'm not going to make any more pictures. I'm, I'm retiring. Retiring? At the peak of your career? I'm just tired of pictures, that's all. Barbara, you'll never be able to run away from it. What do you mean? I'm referring to whatever it is that frightens you. Why don't you tell me about it, Barbara? There, there's nothing to tell. I'm I'm tired. I, I need a rest. Please, Simon, don't make me talk about it. There's some things that... Simon, is that someone standing there? No. No, I don't see anyone. Oh, you are nervous. Oh, Simon, if only I could confide in someone, if I could tell you what I... Perhaps I already know more than you think I do. You're cold. Yes. Where's your wrap? It's over there someplace on one of those decks. <laughs> I'll find it. I don't see it here, Barbara. Are you sure you... Barbara, behind you! Look out! Barbara! Barbara! Man overboard! Man overboard! Maybe you'd like a swim too, Saint. What? question is, why am I? <laughs> Sometimes they awaken from your type of custom-made coma asking, who am I? Evidently, I wasn't hit quite that hard. I even remember who you are, Dr. Norman. It, it is Dr. Norman, the celebrated psychiatrist, isn't it? Yeah, that is very good, Templar, but I'm afraid I must still confine you here to the ship's infirmary for a while. Huh? A possible concussion, you know. They tell me what makes a famous neurologist like you pose as a mere ship's doctor. Oh, I'm really not posing. Uh, Partridge, the ship's physician, is ill. Oh. I was within earshot when I heard the familiar call, is there a doctor in the house? And uh, uh, No, Simon, don't try to get up. I have a flask here, but drink will make you happy. Oh, not right now, thank you. I recall I have some unfinished business to attend to. Barbara? Yes. Was she? They couldn't find her in the fog. She's oh, gone. Poor Barbara. Yes, it was a horrible accident. Horrible, yes. Accident, no. You mean to say she didn't fall overboard? She was murdered. Murdered? But who? I think I know who. My head, it feels like the Aberdeen Proving Ground. I will mix you a sedative. You know, you're not looking very well. I always look like this when I'm angry. There's only one cure. Yes, I know. The lady with the scales known as Madame Justice. You know, Templar, I've been curious about uh, what makes a man like you think. Uh, well, I'll tell you. Every eight days or so, someone winds me up. Right now, I'm wound up tight. 
tight with fury. Well, as a psychiatrist, I would advise you to unwind it. Ah, here we are. I drink this. It will put you to sleep after a while. Oh, thank you. You say you think you know who killed Barbara, Simon. I was wrong. I do know. Well, I think you ought to talk to me. Unwind yourself. You think I need psychiatry, doctor? Well, I think you're too taut at the moment. That plus your concussion, it might be dangerous. Very well, doctor. I'll unwind. I'll tell you the entire story. If you don't mind, Simon, here, this will help the rhythm. The metronome. Psychiatrists often use it. But, uh, No, no, I don't mind. I'd never met Barbara Brooks, although I doubt if there's a human being alive who hasn't heard of her or seen her in the movies. I first saw her the day we boarded ship. There was something in her expression, in the way she walked and talked and smiled, that immediately told me here was someone I should know. Her entire demeanor was an attitude of invitation. That old man. Fear, Doctor. She was a frightened lady. She wanted someone near her. I walked over to her there on deck and immediately made myself useful. Her steward evidently had become busy elsewhere, so I tipped my hat and said somewhat idiotically, um, Get your program here, lady. You can't tell the staterooms without the numbers. I beg your pardon. Your steward seems to have deserted you. Oh. I've sailed this scow before, so if it's the direction to your stateroom you're looking well, for... Well, I would like to know. I would, too. Uh, number, please. A36, main deck. Thank you very, very much. It's this way. My, uh, my name's Temper. Simon, for short. And, of course, you're Barbara Brooks. You know, um, we passed the bar en route to A36, main deck. Does an old-fashioned with a new acquaintance sound inviting? It will, a little later after... If you're on the ship. Ooh, there's several... Oh, that's us You've gone out in the corner. Yeah, I think I saw the man you meant. Certain off-center gentleman named Raider. Rader, I, I don't know that name. No, surely you've heard of Phil Rader. He's just as big a star in his line of work as you are in yours. What? What is his line of work? Well, he's, uh, he's an exterminator of human beings. Mr. Tinker, I'm afraid. That was obvious from the moment I first saw you. Why don't you tell me about it? No, I can't. No, I, I'd be killed. As good a reason as any for not telling me, but I must warn you I have a peculiar talent for finding things out for myself. Oh, no, you mustn't do anything. Please, please. getting smaller. Yes. Yes, but I understand you're doing your share to see that it doesn't get overcrowded. Uh, traveling for your health again, or just traveling? Just traveling. Raider, why does the mere glimpse of you rounding a corner start a lady's teeth to chattering? Lady? I don't know any ladies. Obviously. Maybe she thought I was someone else. Maybe. And if you're of a mind to annoy her, you'll wish you were. Look, Saint, just soak up sunshine on this cruise. Don't go poking in any dark place. Might be bad for you. Oh, what sort of bad, Raider? The big shot, just so there's no misunderstanding. You butt in where you ain't welcome on this cruise and... Yes? And I'll kill you. How is your head, Simon? Well, it 
feels as if a regimental crap game was going on inside of it with jet-propelled bites. You haven't drunk your sedative yet, here. Oh, thank you. Uh, shall I go on taking the load off of my concussion? Yes, by all means. I think I was present at the next sequence. Yes, Doctor, you were. It was the night of that ridiculous costume ball ship's captains are so fond of arranging. Yes. I remember. We were at the bar together. You were a pirate, I recall. Yes, and you were a clown. The ball was loaded with clowns, some of them not even aware of their clownishness. But it was gay and sprightly, and the music was good. I remember our conversation, Doctor. You suddenly appeared at my elbow and said in the most shivery, sinister manner... You know, Templar, I have a confession to make to you. Well, I'm always interested in confessions, Doctor. I've had a schoolboy crush on the beautiful Barbara ever since I saw her in pictures first. Uh, tell me, what does one do about it? Well, I know exactly what I would do if I were you, Doctor. Yes? I'd consult the nearest psychiatrist. <laughs> At the prices we charge? No, thanks. <laughs> I was hoping you'd cut a fellow in on your acquaintanceship, Templar. But uh, if you won't introduce me, uh, won't you at least show me which mask she's hiding under? I think I might be able to make my own introduction. Oh, very well, Doctor. Look for a sylph-like figure in a blue and yellow harlequin costume. Ah, uh, thank you, Templar, thank you. And if you should ever need a good psychiatrist... At the prices you try? <laughs> I will be seeing you. Don't turn around, Mr. Templar. I have a pistol in the small of your back. Now, really, is that any way to enjoy a walk? Listen, Saint, and listen hard. Oh, I'm all ears, except for the small of my back, which feels abnormally large at the moment. Certain arrangements have been made, Saint. It means a big head of lettuce if they go through. So? All the signs say, keep out. See that you do. Now, don't turn around. This costume's so pretty, I'd hate to have to put a hole through my pocket. Well, it's probably just a coincidence, but I've acquired the same regard for the small of my back. Keep regarding it that way, Saint. Don't let your nose wander where it doesn't belong. And you might begin by forgetting you saw certain people aboard this boat. See, uh, just tell me how you're going to swing it, Mrs. Miller. Oh, don't be surprised. I'd recognize the notorious Lil Miller's voice on a party line. How are you going to take him, Lil? A palm date or, or perhaps a marked deck? This rod has a hair trigger, Saint. Just a touch and you're... Lil, Lil, what's the matter? Yes, the stiletto in the back leaves very little doubt. She's dead. You know, Simon, I would never have paid the late Mrs. Miller for a professional card shop. She was anything but the type. Professional card shops are always anything but the type, Doctor. Yeah. And to think I actually played bridge with her myself. With a crook and a hot-headed one at that. Well, as my old grandmother used to say, Doctor, beware of lady thieves with red hair. <laughs> I guess the lady's red hair accounted for the lack of insulation in her temperament. Oh, how does your head feel, Simon? Better, Doctor. Much better. You still haven't touched your sedative, you know. Oh, haven't I? I think you'll find that it helps, Simon. Here. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, shortly after the murder of Mrs. Miller, Doctor, I called on her bereaved husband and uh, partner in crime. A very interesting visit it was, too. You have the knack for making all of your visits interesting, Simon. 
tell me about it. Well, I found Miller in the bar, quenching his sorrow with the merry waters of the river of forgetfulness. Fifty grand in the palm of our hands and beep. No more lil. No more lil, no more sucker. No more sucker, beep. No more fifty grand. I see you valued your wife highly. Uh, who, who was the sucker, Miller? Ha <laughs> ha, you're funny. Uh, tell me, what's Phil Raider cruising for, Miller? And uh, don't tell me it's a coincidence he's on board the same ship. You get funnier and funnier. Why is Barbara Brooks so afraid of Raider? You ain't even warm, Think You're a mile wide of the target. And uh, well, I'd better use a different kind of ammunition then, Miller. Yeah? Like what? Like a little murder performed on an unwilling sucker in Reno. Huh? What do you know about that? You won't like going back to Reno, Miller. It gets hot in the summertime, especially in the penitentiary. Uh, Raider was with blowing me on this deal. All he right, did... Miller, put the zipper on. Uh, Raider, I, I wasn't going to say anything. Phil, honest, I was just... Skip it, Miller. I always knew someday you'd show canary yellow. I thought you and I had a little understanding, Saint. Well, you've got a reputation for wrong thoughts, Raider. Yeah, but right or wrong, I back my ideas up to the hilt, Saint. Keep that frog sticker undercover, Raider. Or I might take it away from you. And the Dutch courage that rides with it, too. I'll keep it hidden for now. You just be careful of the places where the lights don't shine, Saint. Come on, Miller. I want to talk with you. Well, I'll be out in a little while, Phil. I, I want a drink. You've I'll... drunk enough, Canary. Come on. You'd better go, Miller. And if you can't talk your way out of it, my regards to the fishes. it was shortly after Mr. Raider passed on his second warning that you and I met for the first time professionally. Yes, Doctor, the very next night. <laughs> well, I am very surprised at you. He had warned you to stay away from dark places. <laughs> yes, Doctor, so he had. But I'm perverse by nature, and I like to poke around. I was strolling around the deck with Barbara, getting moonburned and trying desperately to get some more information. So wonderful having you near, Simon. I feel safe. Safe? I refuse to accept the compliment, particularly on a moonlit night at sea. I'm referring to danger, Simon, not romance. They're often the very same thing. I'd like to join the team, Barbara. Why don't you confide in me? Because if I did, we'd both be dead by morning. I must go now. Good night, Simon. Good night. Don't turn around, Templer. I've got a... I know. A gun pointed at the small of my back. That's it. Now keep away from Barbara Brooks. Am I clear? Clear enough. Anything else? Yeah. Just so it sinks in, Saint. Take this along to remember me by. Again, you enter the picture, Dr. Norman. You found me there, lying on the deck, basking in moonlight. And blood. Uh, go on, Simon. Tell me the rest of it. Well, after your neat job of vulcanizing me, thus saving me a trip to the ship's doctor and innumerable words of explanation, I hit upon a strategy, and my next visit found me calling in the lion's den. I tell you, you're being made a patsy, Raider. You're on the verge of being demoted back to second-class hoodlum. I can take care of myself. Well, I admit a minor sandbagging committed in your good name doesn't amount to much, Raider. 
But what if the same someone likes your name and decides to use it in uh, other ways? What do you mean? I mean murder. You're a lead pipe cinch to pay for one of your own someday, Raider. But meanwhile, how would you feel getting hung for somebody else's shenanigans? I'd be annoyed. You sure would. Look, I'm not rigged up with no murder saint. Lil meant 50 grand to us alive. That's what we figured the sucker was good for. Well, that's a good enough reason for wanting Lil among the present instead of the late, Raider. Uh, tell me, what was the angle? Blackmail? Nah, nah, nothing so crude, Saint. I sponsor the party, spot them, finger them, and oil them, and the millers squeeze them through a deck of cards. Huh? The guy's a sucker for good-looking dames and card games, that's all. That sounds very uncomplicated, easy picking. The guy ain't had the coin long enough to be smart about it. Who's the guy? Yeah, he makes water heaters. <laughs> the fat man with the diamonds from Passage. Yeah, that's the sucker. <laughs> I should have tumbled. Looks like you did. I thought you were out for a bust-up. 50 G's a lot of money, Saint. I figured if I could scare you, it'd be insurance. How about, uh, Barbara Brooks? Ah, deal me out. I'm not in on whatever the caper is there. She saw you the day we sailed and she got scared. Well, maybe it's because I ain't exactly pretty. Yeah. But if you really want to know something, Saint, I'll tell you. I was propositioned on a stunt against that dame a few weeks before we sailed. I turned it down. A big dough, too. A murder deal? Yeah, a big dough to bump her off. Not for me, though. Nah, she's too prominent. Too much heat on those jobs. Who made the offer, Raider? He wasn't exactly interested in leaving his calling court scene. Just a John Smith, as far as I'm concerned. But he had a description, didn't he? Everybody has a description. Well, sure, sure. He was a medium-sized guy with... Hey, the lights. Who turned them off? Get down! Ah! Raider! Raider! Ah! Raider, are you... Blue shirt. Brown tie. Blue shirt. Brown tie. Blue shirt. Not a very harmonious color scheme, is it? Hit. Raider. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Raider. At least your last earthly utterance was in the direction of good. Thank you. Fastidious dresser, doctor, or else... Or else... Or else he's colorblind. Blue and brown just aren't worn together. Well, no, uh, I'll take that drink now, doctor. Oh, and the sedative I mixed for you. Your concussion. Later, doctor, later. Very well. I can see that you're going to be a very difficult patient. I hope you don't mind drinking out of another medicine glass, huh? No, right now I prefer it. Say when? A little more, doctor. That's fine. Has such a beautiful color, hasn't it, Doctor? Yeah, hasn't it, though? Aren't you going to drink it, Simon? In a moment, Doctor, when I finish my story. Oh, yes, of course, this story. Uh, Barbara's murder was next. Yes, huh? Barbara was next. But immediately before our last meeting on deck in the fog, Doctor, I found out what she was afraid of. You did? But how? It was easy. The steward had some keys. I had some money. The steward has enough now for that chicken ranch he's always dreamed of. You broke into Barbara's stateroom. <laughs> yes. Well, what did you find, Simon? Oh, lingerie, perfume, stockings, and some letters, Doctor. Peculiar letters. Huh? Fan me? Yes. Yes, and all from the same fan. A fan she was once engaged to marry, Doctor. A fan who loved her very much and hated her in equal proportions. Who was so torn between love and hate... He had to kill her. Ah, it's schizophrenic. You should know. What do you mean? Well, you know the classifications. You're the doctor. Oh. 
drink your sedative, Simon. A colorblind schizophrenic. I don't believe I've ever met one before, Dr. Norman. So colorblind, he mistook the green and orange harlequin costume worn by Lil Miller for the blue and yellow one worn by Barbara. That is very interesting, Simon. Poor Lil, if she'd come to the ball as anything but a harlequin, she'd have lived to take in $50,000. Your sedative, Simon. You know, you were wrong about Lil's hair, Doctor. It wasn't red, it was brown. <laughs> you said it was red. I wanted to see if you'd agree. Uh, your sedative. Yes, of course. Hand it to me, would you, Doctor? There alongside the drink. Yeah. No. No, don't try to tell them apart by their aromas, Doctor. It's obvious that they're different colors. Or can't you tell? You find it, Saint. I'd like very much for you to drink it. My doctor, what a pretty purple gun you're wearing. Or is it pink? Drink up, Kipler. You hardly feel it. Just a dash of prussic acid. Uh, Dr. Norman, when you give a sedative, you go overboard. Drink it, Templar. Well, you're the doctor. A toast to you, Dr. Norman. To your green shirt, blue tie, and gray handkerchief. None of which match. Here's how. Oh, my eyes! You threw it in my eyes! It was a question of your eyes or my stomach, Doctor. In my eyes! I'm blind! Get over it, Doctor, which is more than can be said of me if one of those wild shots of yours should hit me. I know I shouldn't practice medicine without a license, Doctor, any more than you should. But um, here's a sedative from me to you. <sighs> Pleasant nightmares, Doctor Norman. You have been listening to another adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. And now here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, in a prejudice-filled America, no one would be secure in his job, his business, his church, or his home. Yet racial and religious antagonisms are exploited daily by quacks and adventurers whose followers make up the irresponsible lunatic fringe of American life refuse to listen to or spread rumors against any race or religion, help to stamp out prejudice in our country. Let's judge our neighbors by the character of their lives alone, and not on the basis of their religion or origin. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. I'm so fucking into PUBG right now and shit. Like, it's disgusting. Like, uh, in case you don't know, it's player battlegrounds on the. Who cares? That's super fun. Anyway. Len Wein died. Let's fucking. Man, there's like a crazy list of people who's like died the last couple days. Let's see. Who the fuck else died? Uh, Len Wein, by the way. He, uh, pretty neat. Not pretty neat. Very neat. He like uh, he created a swamp thing. He also created the Wolverine, and uh, had a big hand in the um, when the uh, 
the giant size x-men there you go came out took me a second i got ghouls and goblins on the brain but uh anyway john lewis is selling uh gender neutral clothes right because they're good people right you know he's all the good you know anytime a fucking big ass corporations decide to like do something you know forward people just jump on their ass why boys should be wearing trucks and shit right i get it i get it right but um at the same time, I would just rather them sell a fucking shirt that says, like, hey, you don't have to follow the nigga in the store because he's not going to steal shit. That's why he never gets to fucking browse anywhere, anytime. So, you know, but I think that would do more good than being able to sell girls uh, <laughs> like uh, Star Wars shit when they're fucking 35 or whatever, because, you know. It's gender neutral. Of course anybody can like butterflies and anybody can like fucking Tonka trucks and shit. It doesn't, it doesn't take a, uh, uh, what do you call a, um, I don't know, a, a cis. I'm not even sure exactly what a cis is, but I know it's like cis, heteronormative. I just know I'm just a dumb dumb who <laughs> just knows that it's really dumb that people are being conned into that horseshit because there's really no reason for anybody. You could buy, you could put a child in a gray onesie that says fuck on it and the child won't know it's a child it's an infant for fuck's sake they don't even know like they barely know how to like ask for shit let alone know what the fuck's going on with their wardrobe <laughs> you know I, like i found my uh my mother was very nice and sent me some shirts from uh from like 1992 and shit and earlier and weirdly enough my body's so fucked up they still fit but um they're very tight. Well, except for a couple of them, but they're very tight. But they they even smell like the goddamn 80s and 90s. But um, I got this old ass uh, uh, Jinko shirt that's fucking killer, man. It's a great fucking shirt. And uh, I was thinking about wearing that today down at the um, uh, comedy day, but it is going to be very hot. And if you know anything about Jinko clothes, you know that they are also very hot. So that's not going to be a thing today. Anyway, um, what else was I going to talk about real quick? Oh, yeah, other shit that makes me laugh. <laughs> Tickled the brim. That's very funny. And uh, I always like the acronym for Spectre, James Bond's, um, you know, enemies, his like anarchist enemy people, you know, with a Blomfeld and all that shit. It's the Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. You know, it's not like anybody wrote that shit backwards, right? All right, we're going to call it Spectre. Now, figure it out. Okay, it's the Spy No Special Sure. <laughs> anyway. Let's find out about... Oh, by the way, you know, the saint, I believe, is the same saint that uh, later was uh, starring Roger Moore and shit on TV. That's how he ended up with the uh, James Bond role. I guess that's how we're going to connect that to... Yeah, let's do one more episode, and then we'll uh, do some other shit here on MediaRadio.fm. Never greasy. It's easy to look trim with trim. Him. 
Men, you're using your hair to get ahead when you groom your hair with Trim Hair Sonic. For Trim grooms hair in a handsome, natural way. Sets you apart as a man who's going places. And Trim does more than merely groom your hair. It's the first and only hair tonic made with pure virgin olive oil, nature's finest hair and scalp conditioner. So Trim conditions your scalp as it grooms your hair. Try this amazing new Pepsodent product. Yes, try Trim Hair Tonic. Not yet, Rose. Not ever. Come now, Rose. 
it polite to shut the door on a man's toes? I give you my word I'm not a brush salesman. Why, I haven't got a brush to my name. Then I'll give you one scram, mister. I don't like stupors. Uh, Stop pushing you. All right, so you're in. So what do we do now, dance? Yes, or uh, sing, perhaps. You couldn't buy a song from me. Not even a little song? A man's name? Who? The man behind the men behind the guns, Rose. Mr. Important. That's no small music, mister. That's the whole opera. Are you afraid of him too, Rose? In this town, the best way to stay healthy is to stay afraid. I'm scared of everyone, mister. I'm even scared of you. Maybe I should have taken off the pumpkin head when Halloween was over like the rest of the children. You've got a bug buzzing inside you, mister. It's going to get you killed unless you stop it from asking the wrong kind of questions. What's your target, anyway? My target? The electric chair. And I intend to dump my ammunition squarely in it. A man named John Daniels was killed by a man I'm going to meet very soon. You're dead, mister. You're all dead. All that's needed to make it legal for the buzzards is for you to lie down. Oh, you're dead. Well, as long as I don't know it, it won't hurt me. You better go. If anyone knew I was within ten yards of a guy as red-hot as you, mister, they'd burn me down, too. Please, go. Where can I find the big shot? I never heard tell of any big shot. You're barking up the wrong tombstone, mister. Uh, you're a morbid little girl, aren't you? Like I said, in this town, death is always looking in on you. Anyone you meet can be the butcher, even you. Now go, I'm scared. What if someone tailed you to me? What if... What's that? Shh. You were tailed. You must have got into the fire escape and... Down, get down. Uh, uh, you were I was tailed. Too bad you were the one who had to be tagged. Well, Mr. Templer, I'm glad you decided to visit the office of the district attorney voluntarily. It does save you the embarrassment of my picking you up, doesn't it? Yes, Mr. Richards, but it also saves you the embarrassment of trying to pick me up. <laughs> Why this sudden desire to entertain me, Mr. Richards? I'm not entertaining you, Saint. I'm holding you for murder. I repeat, why? You were in the same room when Rose Taylor was killed. Oh? So the least I can do to uphold my oath of office, Mr. Templer, is to jug you. As, uh, shall we say, a material witness? It's nice material, Mr. Richards. But it makes a badly fitting suit. Why was she killed? Because she was one of the two people who knew the name of your local head crumbum. She told you? I wasn't given enough time to convince her that she should before someone decided it was the 4th of July. But there are other ways to search him out and make sure he keeps his date. His date, Mr. Templer? Yes, with the chair that men sit in only once. A certain John Daniels was a friend of mine from childhood. I was a pallbearer at his funeral, Mr. Richards. And so? The bullet in his back made his coffin awfully heavy. It got heavier in retrospect when I heard the district attorney had called the case closed. I had to close it. I'd gone up every alley and they were all dead end. There were too many live cases that needed my staff's attention. I know. So I'm playing it my way. I've gone up the same blind alleys in the past few days. Now I'm in an alley with a freeway at the end of it. You mean you know who killed Daniel? Yes. Mr. Number One, the big shot himself. Now all I have to do is learn his name. Huh. 
Here's that all. And, of course, take him. Yeah, I ought to lock you up for your own safety. You should, but you won't. In fact, you can't. No? No. Because I took the liberty to do a little uh, press agenting. You what? I told the newspapers that I'd be here both today to have a talk and tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock to deliver a murderer. The people in this town might not approve of your not giving me the chance. All right. Until 10 tomorrow. I'll expect you, Mr. Templer, with or without your victim. I'll be here. I know you'll be here, Mr. Templer. The only question is, will you be here dead or alive? possible answer to that. I didn't. I don't believe you. No. Don't reach into that pocket, Saint. Not unless you're completely bored with life. Bored? Oh, on the contrary. So far, my life with you has been one continual round of excitement. Next, I suppose, you'll suggest we fly away to the cosmos. Oh, something like that. Only I had the bar up the street in mind as the place to fly away to. I don't drink with people I don't trust. So let's fly my way. Come. And in case you're thinking of lingering, remember, I've got a hand on my pocketbook. And a finger that isn't convinced you didn't kill Rose. I bet it's a 25 with a mother of pearl hand. You win the bet. It's a small gun, but when the bullets hit, they feel big. Come. Where are we going? Someone wants to see you. And you were delegated to haul me in a mere girl with a mere 25. I wasn't delegated, mister. I begged for the job. I'm flattered. Don't be. I begged for the job because I was hoping you'd try not to come. Rose was my only sister. Come on, come on. One more question before I decide whether or not to be shot or hijacked. Uh, whom are we calling on? Al Boston. I'm his secretary. He wants to see you. Rest your trigger finger, lady. That's exactly what I feel like doing, too. Jackie, bring you over because I want to warn you to lay off, Saint. The last time you warned me to lay off, Al, you wound up serving time. Well, I'd have smartened up, Saint. I don't bite off more than I can swallow no longer. Now, what's making your ear rich? Who's the big boss, Al? For how much? You mean you'll tell for money? Can you think of a better thing to get paid off in? I told you I've smartened up. I don't squeeze triggers for a living no more, Saint. Oh, what type of wrongdoing do you specialize in now, Al? I'm in charge of the big boss's books. You mean there's penthouse and Cadillac money in that? Well, that depends on how the books are kept, Saint. I've got a system. And the only guy knows who the big boy is. And I'm the only guy knows what his take is. He trusts me like a Siamese twin. And you repay his trust by robbing him. It's all in the racket. Like I've been telling you, I've smartened up. Nobody knows it, Saint, but your pal Daniels was here in town on my private invitation. You mean you sent for the Treasury Department? Sure. It's like this. The big boy pulls in seven figures a year on his businesses. And naturally, he don't pay no taxes to Mr. Whiskers. Oh, naturally. 
There's a fortune to our uncle in back tax stuff. Only our uncle don't know he's got it coming. So I thought he should. Out of patriotism, of course. Yeah, out of patriotism. They always treated me so nice in Leavenworth. Out of patriotism and 10%, think. 10%? Yeah. That's what Uncle Sammy's got me in for, for helping to catch a tax dodger. Trouble was, the boss got wise to what Daniels was up to and gave him one through the lungs. Well, how fortunate he didn't get wise to you, Al. Yeah. But I've smartened up, Saint. I've smartened up. Packies just came out. Feels like ledgers. Oh, yeah, I've been expecting that, Jackie. I better get into these books right away. Uh, I'm going off. Goodbye, Al. Goodbye. Another set of books to juggle, Al? Yeah, from one of the joints. I better open this up and see which one. Al, drop it! Get down! Someone else is just a little smarter. You are listening to The Saint, starring Vincent Price. Then here's a tip. Pop off your grooming in tip-top style. That's right. Use new trim hair tonic to make your hair look its handsome best. You see, trim hair tonic grooms in a new natural way because it's the first and only hair tonic made with pure virgin olive oil, nature's finest hair and scalp condition. Yes, trim is tested in sensational new hair tonic development. Trim hair tonic brings you pure virgin olive oil to condition your scalp as it grooms your hair. You can see the olive oil in trim floating right on top. Just a few quick shakes spreads it completely. So Trim gets pure virgin olive oil right on your scalp, where good hair care starts. Massage for just 30 seconds. Then note how Trim's conditioning action relieves dryness at once, checks loose falling dandruff, leaves your scalp wonderfully refreshed, your hair perfectly groomed. And you like Trim's clean, fresh fragrance, the way it's quick and easy, never greasy. Yes, Trim keeps hair looking neat and well-groomed in a handsome, natural way. So try a trim hair tonic now and condition your scalp as you groom your hair. We continue now with Vincent Price as The Saints. Little girls who don't want to be followed shouldn't wear Chanel number no. five and strapless evening gowns, and particularly the latter. And they shouldn't carry bombs around either. You can't pin that on me. As long as you're wearing that particular evening gown, I'm inclined to believe you. But you did serve up the bomb, didn't you? Look, I didn't know the bomb was there. Tell me, Al. Yes, Mr. Boston is deader than the city he named himself after. There'll be others unless you... I know all the answers to that one. And even if I did... You wouldn't tell me. How right you are. I'm too young to die like Rose did. I'm not in any rack. I don't know it. It's amazing how few people in this town admit to knowing anything. 
must be graft in the public school system. No. Fear. The nervous system. The only thing people in this town aren't afraid of is getting arrested. There have been cities like this before, Jackie. And in nine cases out of ten, when the local Mussolini was eliminated, the lesser rat scampered off the ship. That's a big hunk you've bitten off of yourself, Robin Hood. I wonder if you can swallow through. Goodbye. You're leaving? And I was beginning to enjoy our conversation. <laughs> also the Chanel number no. five and uh, everything else. I noticed you were enjoying yourself. Pleasant memories. Where are you going? I'm going to find a safety zone. I'm leaving town. Don't be surprised if you get a postcard with a picture of the Arch of Triumph. Goodbye, Jackie. And uh, good luck. You're the one who needs the luck. I hope you get him. Rose was a good kid. I'll get him. She was a good kid. And uh, thanks for the night. Tip. Tip? I don't know what you're talking convenient of the newspaper to keep its reference files open at night. Are you a professional busybody, or have you an axe to grind, too? Oh, dear me, I'm not a busybody, Mr. Templer, nor do I have an axe to grind. Merely a gun to shoot, Mr. Templer. You know, someday, somewhere, a man will come up to me on a dark street and merely ask me for a light. I doubt it. I'm afraid your saintly stay in this world of tears and chaos is drawing to its close, Mr. Templer. This time you've poked up the wrong fire. You seem nervous, Mr. Templer. Who are you? Does it matter? We'll be acquainted such a short time. Oh, I'd just like to know who it is that I am to come back and haunt. Very well. I am known to the exceedingly few who know me as the professor. The professor. <laughs> I've had guns pulled on me by cops, cranks, crooks, and coroners, but I believe you're the very first professor. I don't mean to disillusion you, Mr. Templer, but I was merely an assistant professor. Oh, I'm still impressed. If you don't mind, the car's over there. After you, professor. Please, no jokes. I assure you, this is a most serious matter. Come. Here we are. You will get in, please. Oh, after you. Oh, no, I forgot. You're not in much of a mood for joking, are you? No. Not unless the joke is mine. Like this one. Oh. Him just a little harder, boys. You could have saved yourself some bullets. I pay you to drive the car, Stephen, not to offer suggestions. Okay, boys, where through the country? First, we'll go to the place, Stephen. There are some questions I want Mr. Templer to answer. Questions that may require a soundproof rule. on your skull. I hate to boast, Professor, but my skull's been creased before by experts. In fact, it has more treads in it than Goodrich puts in his tires. Still fond of your little jokes, I see. How unfortunate they must be wasted on me. You see, I'm a humorless man. So I've noticed. I brought you here to ask you some questions, Mr. Templar. You should have warned me, Professor. I'm afraid I didn't come prepared for a quiz. I have various means of preparing you, Mr. Templar. So to begin... To whom did you describe your suspicions concerning a certain man's identity? A certain man? You wouldn't be meaning the big man, would you? The head rat? I have reason to believe you know who he is. Whom have you confided in? Not prepared, Professor. Oh. 
Shall we try the question once again? Yes, but something tells me you'll never pay me the $64. Oh. I can't tell you how impatient I am for your answer, Mr. Templer. You see, after you finish talking, I have other things planned for you. How nice of you to take me, a mere stranger, in tow like this. I must remember to return all your courtesies uh, when you untie me. Oh, talk. Certainly. To the district attorney. Yes, I read about your boast to emulate the Northwest Mounted by bringing in your man to the district attorney. A pity you won't keep the date. Uh, what is it, Stephen? I thought you might be wanting me for something, boss. No, Stephen. When I want you. Stephen, the door. How many times must I tell you to keep it closed? You fool. You know how I feel about an open door. But, but no bugs came in, boss. There practically ain't any this time of the year anyway. You tell me, a former professor of entomology. Assistant professor. Please, Stephen. Leave it once before I do something we'll both be sorry for. Okay, boss. Okay. Fool. You know, it took me a little time to catch on to your particular type of insanity, professor, but I see it all now. Do you, Mr. Templer? A professor of entomology, eh? The study of insects. <laughs> and you studied them so hard, professor, you're Silence. You're not in the classroom now with your students and your specimen bottles, Professor. You're in the big leagues now, in the World Series, Professor. You got to know everything there was to know about insects, didn't you? You knew them so well, you became afraid of them. Right, shut up! It is something to get afraid of when you turn your imagination loose on the subject, Professor. When you consider how many millions of insects there are for each human being. Stop it! Silence! Stop it! Why on your sleeve, no. Professor? Stop it! And I think I just saw Miss Kyle. Stop it! Look, a moth! Stop it! Stop it! Over there! Stop it! Crickets, Professor! Roaches! Roaches! Spiders! Spiders! You have to untie me if you want me to help you. Let's tell you. You'll have to, Professor. Backhoppers over there, Professor. And there's the centipede! recall you were to dish up the head crumb <laughs> I suppose you couldn't bring him in. No, I couldn't bring him in. You see, he already was in. I beg your pardon? Don't beg my pardon, Richard. It's the governor's pardon you want, and you know, I don't think you'll get it. Are you crazy? No, just slow-witted, it seems. Being a district attorney is a wonderful cover-up for a crumb bum, isn't it, Richard? You're insane. Am I? You sound insane, Mr. Templer. Rushing in here, threatening to kill me, calling me a crook and demanding money. I want... Oh, oh, I see. Of course, I'd be perfectly willing to forget all of these things. And the various other offenses I find it so cozy to dream up. If you'll just quietly leave town and pretend you were never here. You mean just force from my memory some of the happiest moments of my life, Mr. District Attorney? Oh, no, you're asking too much. Then it looks as though we've reached a stalemate, Templar. 
Unless, of course, one of us chooses to get violent. Once I catch a murderer, Mr. Richards, I leave all further violence to the state execution. Once you catch him, Templar. Right now you seem to be in the disturbing position of the hunter who caught a tiger by the tail. Put up your hands. Huh? Oh, you mean over my head? <laughs> your bug-crazy professor made me keep them at my side. Templar... Who gave me away? It was a remark I heard, Mr. Richards. I was told that the only thing in this town people aren't afraid of is getting arrested. So? So I checked Mr. District Attorney's record in the newspaper files. You have an abominable batting average, Richards. People, your people, were literally getting away with murder. Yeah. How clever of you to notice. You controlled the gang because you could set them free, and so you also controlled the racket. I know, but you still have to prove your story, Mr. Templar. Oh, it's already done. I took the trouble to switch on your uh, intercom, Richards. I'm afraid our conversation wasn't very private. Why, you... And now, Mr. Richards, our personal business. Before the police get here... Keep your hands up high. Certainly. Certainly. Is this high enough? Or shall I raise them higher? So I can reach this chandelier... No! Nice nap, Mr. Richards. I'm sorry I tore up your chandelier, but my old grandmother always taught me to put out the lights before going to sleep. The same. It's so weird, like... It, you don't hear that fucking music anymore. Like, when I was growing up, you'd always hear that kind of stuff. It's like, I kind of call it like lassie music. You know, it's like... You know, it's like classic, what I would call <laughs> Classic white folks music. You know, it's like, oh, that... Brothers ain't supposed to listen to this bullshit. But it's so funny. Like, I there's so much I love about that. Um... What was I going to say? That's so weird. I got a phone call during the show. I never get called by anybody, but I did today. That was nice. I was going to have her be on the radio, but eh. Why bada? Hello, mother. Hello, father. They just got a call from somewhere. This is weird now. I wrote a thing once. I think I wrote it on 19th of last month. Um, let's call fuck it. It's just a bunch of V's. Like, I just tried to think of every V I could think of and then, like, off top and then put it in a goddamn thing. Or you could call it the appearance of being true or real or vulgar, since that's another V I didn't put in here. Very various variables verified vulnerable vessel. Voluminous vox. Veritable vitriol. Veterans voting. uh, Voluptuous values. Volunteered via. Vibing video vixen. Vamp ire. Versimilitude. Volatile, volatile volume, vivacious vice, vain vernacular, vague valedictorian, verb fetting, vocabulary, vacation. So, while I was sitting here bullshitting in my brain, um, I was thinking, what a cool time to, because, uh, God damn it, like, I was playing all that, um, what do you call it? Vincent Price the Saint, because, um, my uh good 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 friend from ages ago from uh oh geez back when i lived in kalamazoo a friend of mine drew and i started a uh 
uh, film society, club, society club, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It was called Coma, K-O-M-A, the Kalamazoo Organization of Movie Aficionados. And uh, I had a little store, and we would play movies once a week and stuff. And um, one of the co-founders kind of with us was uh, Sarah uh, T-Bird Viterval, who... Um, still uses the same fucking uh, email from like then like some hotmail shit. Uh, I think it's coma at <laughs> hotmail type shit. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Either way, she is a big Vincent Price fan. And I was like, well, fuck it. You know, she was the lady who actually introduced me to Manos, the Hands of Fate, and um, stuff like that. She's a big MST3K fan. And, uh, you know, you gotta like something. Anyway, let's play a little bit of music here on MuniRadio.fm, and then we're gonna go into what the shit I want to listen to, a little bit of Dragnet. We're gonna go into the Police Academy in one second. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to robbery detail. An armed gang of blitz bandits has started to work in your city. Their pace is fast. Four and five robberies each night. The criminals are not amateurs. They're well-armed, dangerous. Your job... Get them. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Thursday, October 23rd. It was windy in Los Angeles. We were working a day watch out of robbery. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on my way back from the statistician's office, and it was 11.42 a.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery detail. How'd it work out, Joe? Any good prospects? No, I don't know how good they are, but I got a handful. How many did you get? Well, let me see. Fifteen, eighteen, twenty-two. Ethel down in the stats office ran them on the IBM for me. There they are. Hmm, let's see. It's a gang of three men working on foot. Blitz robberies. They only take cash. M.O. is tie-ups. Work from eight to ten at night. One of the gang's tall, the other two short. 
And these are the men the machine sorted out. Under that heading, yeah. If our information's wrong, then so's the machine. Got a good bunch of candidates here. Descriptions match up with what we got. They seem to. Check the names on that list, Ben. Some of the smartest thieves in the country. Yeah. Tommy Willis, Ray Grepper, Kemp Satelli, Manny Roberts, George Cross, Mario Kosky. Reads like June graduation at San Quentin. Yeah. George Cross and Tommy Willis are in town. We know that. And Kosky, he's run a couple of weeks ago. Now, what about the rest? It's a big field. Have to check them out, I guess. Might as well start at the beginning. Did you go through the overnight reports yet? Yeah. No restaurants, no liquor stores. That makes five days the gang's laid off. Well, they can afford to, can't they? Eighteen robberies in 24 days, that's a pretty good haul. This stop-and-go strategy of theirs, Joe, it's got me. Yeah. They work hard for a week in one area, and then they lay low. If they just keep going, we might have a better try at them. Hey, Joe. Yeah, Chandler. Fell out here to see you, Joe. Name's Decker. Decker. Henry Decker? Didn't say. Want to see him? Yeah, send him in. Right. All right, Mr. Decker, this way. How are you, Joe? You're looking good. Oh, Hank Decker. How are you? I'm fine. Well, what are you waiting for? Applause? Come on in and shut the door. <laughs> Hank, this is my partner, Ben Romero. Ben, Hank Decker. Hi, right, Hank. How are you, Ben? Hank and I are in service together. Yeah, I just dropped in for a visit, Joe. Are you busy? No more than usual. Sit down. Yeah, thanks. I remembered you telling me you were on the PD, so I figured I'd drop around and get an inside track. How do you mean? I just filed with civil service to take the exam next month. Figure I'd like to work at being a cop. You shell shot, Joe. <laughs> Great pep talk you boys hand out. You sure you want to be a cop? Oh, look, I'm 30 years old, Joe. I'm married, high school education, about a year of junior college. What's your wife think? She's not sold. Well, that's why I dropped in. How about coming out to the house for dinner tonight? You want me to sell her? Just talk to her. Seven okay? Yeah, seven's okay. Right. I'm glad to have met you, Ben. Same here, Decker. See you again. All right. Bye, Joe. See you tonight, Hank. What do you think, Ben? Ought to make a good cop. We had a list of 22 possible suspects. By 5 o'clock, Ben and I had checked out two of them who might possibly have had a hand in the Blitz robberies of the 18 liquor stores and restaurants in the past 24 days. Number one man was Thomas Willis, Caucasian, age 29, 5 feet 11 inches, 175 pounds, dark hair, blue eyes. Number two man was Mario Kosky, Caucasian, 5 feet 6 inches, 170 pounds, dark hair, dark eyes, large scar under his chin, running across his throat, up to and behind his left ear. According to our informants, and after questioning some of their associates, either Willis or Kosky or both could have taken part in the Blitz holdups. We showed their mugs to the victims, but none of them could give us definite assurance that either Willis or Kosky were in the holdup gang. At 7 that night, I went out to Hank Decker's house for supper met his wife, Linda, his four-year-old twin boys. We talked about the army, played with the kids for a while. Before we sat out to eat, we put the boys in bed. Hank was in the kitchen carving the roast. His wife closed the door to the kids' room, and we started downstairs for the kitchen. What do you think of our two atom bombs? Well, they're fine kids, Miss Decker. Hank told me that you were worried about him wanting to join the force. I was 12 years old when my father was shot down. He was a policeman in Des Moines. He was only 37 when he died. I wouldn't know what to do if anything like that happened to Hank. What do you want me to say? But does Hank really want it? Can't you talk him out of it? You're his wife. Can you? 
No, I think it's his choice, Miss Decker. He's going to have to make up his own mind. I'm sorry. It's what Hank wants. I guess I worry too much. A lot of women marry cops. They have, and they will, and they all worry. Hank will be all right. Will you guarantee it, Joe? During the next month, I heard from Hank Decker only once. He was studying hard. During the same month, Ben and I were working hard, trying to find some kind of a concrete lead to break the Blitz gang. There had been no subsequent holdups which seemed to tie in directly with the gang or its operations. From the list of possible suspects which Ben and I made up, 18 names had been eliminated for one reason or another. Either they were in jail at the time of the robberies, out of the Los Angeles area, or out of the state. But four names remained. George Cross, Tommy Willis, Mario Kosky, Julian Brock. During the latter part of the month, George Cross was booked on a minor charge, and we questioned him at that time. He showed no knowledge of the holdups. Nearly two months after the robberies were committed, Ben and I were still without a solution as to the whereabouts of the gang. Never known a blitz gang back like this way before, Joe. Once they get wound up, they usually go until they're caught. Yeah. Did you get out those telegram checks of the East yet? Last night before I went home. Sent out all three. Willis, Kosky, and Brock. I'd like to find just one of them. Chicago might have something. That's Kosky's old hangout. Willis, too. Mm. What about Brock? He's from Kansas City, isn't he? Yeah. I got a wire, too. Might have an answer from one of them tomorrow. That's a slow job. We'll have to wait it out. Guess so. No follow-ups from the victims we talked to. I'll get it. Robbery Friday. Oh, hiya, Joe. Hank Decker, congratulate me. What for? Just passed my written exam. Got the letter this morning. How about that? That's fine. When do you take your physical? Oh, not till the end of the month. Next week, I take the oral and agility tests, then the physical. If I get by them, I'm in. Well, you're going to have a full month at the police academy after the test. is a lot of work, Hank. Oh, it can't be any worse than these tests. It's a tough 30 days out there on the hill. Law, court procedure, evidence, combat fire, target practice. You'll have to wade through all of them. You ever gonna have anything encouraging to say? Yeah, when you graduate. I won't count on it. How's your job going? Slow. How's your wife feel now? About taking the job? Mm hmm. A little better. She said to say hello. Okay. Keep us posted, huh? I'll do that, Joe. Right. Bye. Hank passed his written test. Hmm. Sure anxious. Brandy, Romero, got a minute? Yes, Gabriel. Come on, Joe. You got something, Ed? Yeah, those blitz robberies you're handling. Not having much luck. We were. Gangs disappeared. Not a trace of them so far. They leave town? Oh, we're not sure, Ed. We don't even have a good description. We're guessing most of the way. What are your guesses? You've had a couple of months to make them. Twelve of the holdup victims we talked to told us definitely that there were three men in the gang. Two of them short, one of them tall. We've just been working from there. All three of them have dark complexions. Started with 22 possibilities and got it weeded down to four. No, wait a minute, three. Yeah. Tommy Willis, Mario Kosky, Julian Brock. Willis and Kosky are eastern hoods. Brock's from the Middle West. And where are they now? Haven't showed their faces around town. Checking some of the cities in the east. That's about all we got, Skipper. Uh, not much for two months' work. Thieves can't be that smart. Right now they are. We've sounded out every lead we had, Ed. We're doing our best. Either of you ever hear of a man by the name of Al Mishikov? No, I don't think so. Chicago gunman in the old days, wasn't he, Ed? That's right. I thought he was doing time in Joliet. Paroled last year. Got a tip he was spotted on East Broadway night before last. You figured it might tie in with our job? I don't know. Find out. If I remember right, Mishikov's brother used to be pretty friendly with Mary Olkowski. I helped send both of them up 13 years ago. Same rap. Robbery. Was that all you heard, Ed? Somebody spotted Mishikov? That's all. If you can track him down, you might get some kind of a lead. That's more than you got now. 
That night and for the next two nights following, Ben and I had dinner downtown instead of going home, and then we spent the rest of the night covering the lower end of the city in search of Al Mishikoff. We got more than a dozen leads on where to find him from some of our informants, but none of the leads paid off. We kept missing him. No one knew where he was staying. No one knew, or no one would tell us. Worst thing about this job, Joe, leg work. You must be averaging 10 miles a night. My feet say 20. Yeah, almost midnight. Here's McCarthy's place. Let's try it. Right. Let's go down at the end of the bar, Ben. Yeah. Hiya, Ben. Good to see you. Come in. What's new? Oh, not much, Bert. Meet my partner, Joe Friday. Hiya, Friday. What do you fellas have? Looking for a guy, Bert. His name's Al Mishikoff, Chicago. You heard anything? He was in here earlier tonight. A couple of guys with him. Are you sure? What do you look like? Six feet, about 45, I guess. Big build. Sounds like him, all right, Joe. Is he staying in the neighborhood, Bert? Down here? I don't think so. Most of those big timers stay uptown someplace. You looking for Mishikoff? I'd like to talk to him. How long ago was he in? Oh, about 8 o'clock. A couple of guys with him. They were talking about driving out to the airport. Something about Las Vegas. Uh-huh. There's an 840 plane for Vegas, isn't there, Ben? I think so. 840, 850. I can't recall where. Bert, do you remember the exact time they left? Exactly. No. I say, there's one of the fellas that was with Mishikoff down there in the middle of the bar. Which one, Bert? There. One with a sandy hair. Big chin. See him? Yeah. Want to talk to you? Come on. And Judge, you know what he said? He said when he was in Vegas last week. Yeah. Pardon me. Killing, yeah, that's where... Pardon me. I'd like to talk to you a minute. Yeah, who are you? Police, Sergeant Friday. Oh, have a drink, Sergeant. No, thanks. I said I wanted to talk to you. Hmm, square John, huh? Wait a minute, George. Square John wants to talk to me. Come on outside. We can talk better out there. I ain't done nothing. What's the pitch? I got a right to know. Let's go outside. Maybe I don't want to go outside. I think you better. Come on. All right, all right. Quit shoving, you dumb cop. Shoving people around. What are you trying to do? Yeah. All right, down this way. Cars parked up the next alley, Joe. Hey, look, what's this all about, huh? I got a right to know. You were seen with Al Mishikoff tonight. Where is he? Who? Al Mishikoff. You want us to spell it? I don't think you can spell your own name. Nobody's asking you to play smart. Where's Mishikoff? Out of town. What do you care? Here's the car. All right, inside you. Now, look, you got me wrong. I ain't done nothing. Where's Mishikoff? You and some other guy drove to the airport with him tonight. Let's have it. I'm clear, I tell you. I just drove out with him, that's all. Where'd Mishikoff go? Vegas. Took the plane for Vegas. When? About 8.30, quarter to nine. What's up, anyway? Who's the guy traveling with Mishikoff? Nobody. Who's the guy traveling with Mishikoff? Koski. I just met him tonight. Mario Koski, is that the guy? Yeah, I, I'm leveling. I ain't done nothing. Ben, get to a phone call the office. Contact Las Vegas police. Ask them to pick up Koski and Mishikoff. When we got back to the office, we questioned the man we had picked up for almost two hours. His name was John Delmar, an ex-convict. He'd been paroled from Folsom Prison two months before after serving three and a half years for burglary. He said Mishikoff was looking for a man to work with him and Koski. He didn't specify the work. Delmar said he refused the offer, but they parted on friendly terms. He said Koski and Mishikoff told him that they were going to Las Vegas for a few days, then returned to Los Angeles. But when Ben and I checked back with the Las Vegas police the next morning, they reported that nobody answering the description of either Koski or Mishikoff was seen arriving or leaving the airport. We checked with the airlines and sent inquiries to law enforcement agencies throughout the entire area. No sign. Three weeks went by. Still no sign. Nothing in the overnights, Joe. Mm, 
No, not a thing. Oh, yeah, same here. Reno, Sacramento, San Francisco, nobody's seen them. Ain't got to come out sometime. We can wait. Yeah, we can wait. Gets on your nerves. Let's check with Backstrand. Maybe he's got a job for us in the meantime. You're getting as eager as your friend Hank Decker, Joe. Incidentally, how'd things turn out for him? They passed all his exams, putting in his month's training at the academy now. He should do all right. Oh, yeah. Hi, Mike. Skipper busy? Not in his office. Won't be until afternoon. What's the matter? He's got a lecture at the police academy this morning. Thanks, Mike. Come on, Ben. Ben and I drove out to the police academy near Elysian Park. We went out to check with Ed Backstrand on the Blitz robberies. Not to listen to his lecture. When we walked into the classroom, he was just finishing up. So we sat in the back of the room and listened. It was a pretty good speech. Because of the alertness of the arresting officer, his talent for memorizing detail, and his knowledge of how a criminal acts under a given set of circumstances, the arrest was made. Well, that's about it, gentlemen. Thank you for your attention. Now, uh, when I ran this speech over at home, my wife said it wasn't a very good talk, but at least it came out on time. <laughs> now it seems I'm two minutes short, so I guess I failed on both counts. <laughs> if I may, I'd, I'd like to use the few minutes that are left to tell you what I think of being a cop after 24 years. For one reason or other, you men have chosen the career of a police officer. Well, let me tell you right now, without any qualifications, it's a thankless job. Maybe you can't see it now. Maybe you think I'm exaggerating. But when you graduate next week and get that uniform on, your whole lives are going to change. You're uh, going to lose friends, a lot of them. They'll want parking tickets fixed, some other favors. You'll have to turn them down, so you'll be a heel, a fathead. When you're on the beach, you're going to meet the cream of society and the scum, the lowest. Sometimes you won't be able to tell the difference. Some of you will have to work with thugs, stupid gangsters, dope addicts, cheap women. All the human garbage you can find in a big city. You'll come home at night and take a shower to wash off the dirt, but you still won't feel clean. That's a job. When you buy a box of candy and bring it home for your anniversary, the neighbors will say you chiseled it. When you save up a few dollars and buy a new car or some furniture for the house, that's graft. People are going to want favors. They'll offer you things, a free beer or a new dress for your wife. If you take it, you're a chiseler. If you don't, you're a tough cop. Well, here's a piece of advice. Take nothing from anyone, no matter how good a friend he is. Pay for everything you get and don't ask favors. Treat everybody alike, no matter what they look like or what they believe in. You don't play favorites. There are going to be times when a few men in the department get out of line. The newspapers will play it up because it makes good reading and the average John public will love it. Because that's the only way he can pay you back for that traffic ticket you gave him. Being a good cop is a hard job, but it's a good one. Let me warn you just once more. It's one of the most thankless jobs on earth. That's all, gentlemen. The following week, Hank Decker graduated from the police academy and hit the transfer list for a regular assignment. He drew a job of teaching combat firing and boxing at the academy. He didn't like it, so he put in a request for a transfer and waited. For the next six weeks, Ben and I waited, too, for some sign of the Blitz bandits. There wasn't any. The only possible suspects, Mario Kosky and Al Mishikoff, had disappeared completely. We kept a close check on every possible avenue of information. Still, no sign. 
Ben and I were transferred to the night watch on robbery for a few weeks, and that gave Hank Decker a chance to drop in and visit with us a couple of hours when he went off duty at the academy. He was still as eager as ever. Hi, Ben. Joe, anything new? Hi, Hank. Nothing here. What about the academy? Oh, big news. Mm. What's up? Getting a transfer starting next Monday. Gonna start on a beat. Thought you were all tied up with that boys' club you started out there. Oh, I was, but Hanson's gonna take over when I leave. Oh, the kids sure love it. Free swimming in the pool, boxing lessons. We teach them everything. Where's your beat gonna be, huh? Central, right in the downtown district. Might learn something, huh? You'll learn a lot. You'll want to forget most of it. Look, it's a quarter after seven. Don't you ever go home for dinner, Hank? Oh, getting a wife used to it. This new shift's gonna be night work, you know. Wait till you're on it for a year, and then you tell us how you like it. A year? I want to be in the detective bureau after a year. Well, you're not even going to last a year if you don't get home to dinner. Your wife's called twice this week already. She calls me. Okay, when did she call tonight? She hasn't, Jen. Oh, I guess I better head her off. Let me know if anything breaks, huh, Joe? I'd like to tag along. Okay, Hank. Well, on your way. Okay, good night. So long. Good night. Yeah. How eager can you get? Were we like that when we started? Not me. I never had that much energy at one time in my whole life. Hot shot, Joe. I'll get it. At 767 East Broadway, a liquor store, to 11 and slugging. At 767 East Broadway, a liquor store, to 11 and... 767 East Broadway, 211 liquor store. Let's go. King's Liquor Store. We pushed our way through the small crowd outside the door and into the shop. Two patrolmen in uniform were already interviewing the proprietor. He had two large gashes on his head just above the right temple. He was trembling and badly shaken, but he managed to give us a good description of the holdup men. Yeah, I can tell you what they look like. Three of them. One short, one tall, husky, another short, fat. You remember what they were wearing? Uh, coats. All three, dark coats. One of the short men, he had a big scar here on the throat, like this. After the three men robbed the store, they slugged me and tied me up. Turner, this man's hurt. You call an ambulance? On the way, Sergeant. That's fine. We have just one more question, Mr. King. Here's a handful of pictures. We'd like you to tell us if any one of these men were in the gang that held you up tonight. Let me look. There you are. Take your time. No. No, not him. No. 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 Oh, this one. Here. Here. He took the money from the register. Would you look through the rest, please? Are there any more? Uh, let me see again. No. No. Oh, here. Another one. There's a fat one with the scar. This is him. I think he's the one that slugged me. Thanks, Mr. King. Here's our card. We'll be contacting you later. Turner, will you and your partner take the crime report? We've got some checking to do. Right, Sergeant. Thanks. Come on, Ben. Yeah. Koski and Mishikov. You picked out both of them, Joe. Yeah, they certainly did, didn't we? Attention, all units. Attention, all units. Wait a minute. The southeast corner of Broadway and East 3rd, a liquor store and restaurant, 211, code 3. All units, the southeast corner of Come Broadway and East 3rd. Come on, Ben, let's roll. When we got to the liquor store and restaurant at Broadway and East 3rd, Ben and I knew for certain that Koski and Mishikov were back in the city and working hard. Their M.O. matched down to almost the smallest detail. We put a call through to communications and the entire Central Division was alerted. Then we called Chief Backstrand and told him the news. He 
assigned a special detail from the Metropolitan Unit to patrol the area until further notice. But at 9.23 p.m., before they pulled out of the police garage, the Blitz bandits added two more liquor stores and one more restaurant to their list of victims. Early the next morning, Ben and I met with Chief Backstrand in his office. You gonna make on that third man yet? We ran his description through R&I early this morning, Ed. Closest candidate's a guy by the name of Julian Brock. Done time here in New York. Any tie-up with Kosky or Mishikov? Mama Sheet says he knows Kosky pretty well. And that's good enough. Now, how do you think you're going to get these thieves? We've got the alert out, Chief. Special detail from Metropolitan Division's been brief. Communications all set. All right, here's a tip for you. Tell the men if there's a hold-up call that only the car in the area of the hold-up will handle it. These thieves are no amateurs. Let me try some decoy trick. Tell the men to stay in the area they're assigned to until they receive a call. Check? We'll take care of it, Ed. You gonna be on hand tonight? And when do you figure on starting? We'll have the full detail out for 6.30. Play it safe and start at 4. Why chance missing them? At 3.30 that afternoon, we left the police garage with a special detail from Metropolitan Division and we started to cruise the central area. We weren't looking for any action the first few hours, and we didn't get any. The five o'clock traffic in the downtown area was heavy as usual. Hope that gang holds off till after six. We couldn't get out of this traffic if our lives depended on it. Well, we'd probably do better on foot if it wasn't for radio contact. Control four to 80K. Control four to 80K, your location. Get it, will you, Joe? Yeah, we'll get the mic. 80K to control four. 80K to control four. Our location on Spring Street between 2nd and 3rd. 80K, stand by. 80K, call your office code 2. Call your office code 2, KMA 367. 80K to control four, Roger, KMA 367. Yeah, now what do I do for a parking space? You know, you're lucky. That guy up ahead there, he's pulling out. Good, that hasn't happened to me in six months. Okay, hold on, Ben. I'll be back in a minute. Yeah. City Hall. Two five one one. Two five one one. Robbery, Chandler. This is Friday, Bill. You want us? Yeah, I just met a Joe. Chief wants to talk to you. Yeah, Ed. Cruiser car just brought in a guy answering the description of Mario Kosky. Yeah? Get over here right away and question the guy. If it is Kosky, we can all go home early. Ben and I went back to the office and questioned the man who gave his name as Conrad Larkin. He was Kosky's approximate height and weight, same color hair, same color eyes. The resemblance to Kosky's picture was evident. We questioned him thoroughly about the Blitz robberies, and then we checked out his fingerprints. The coincidence was hard to overlook, but we were satisfied. The man was not Mario Kosky. There was a phone message on my desk to call Hank's wife. I called her, and then we checked with Chief Backstrand again and started for the police garage. It was ten minutes past six. Hey, Ben, Joe, wait a minute, will you? Oh, hi, Hank. What's all the excitement? I heard about those jobs last night, the Blitz gang. How about tagging along tonight? What's the steering? You suit yourself, Hank. Plenty I do home for dinner. I told the wife I'd eat out tonight. You sure you're not due home for dinner? No, not tonight, Joe. Uh, did you have any luck yet? Not so far, Hank. Maybe later on tonight. Come on, here's the garage. How close did you come to the gang last night? Not close enough. Two steps ahead of us, all the way. They sure must work fast. Five jobs in a row. All right, Hank, let's don't rub it in, huh? 
there and watch it, will you? Yeah. Woman driver? How about it, Joe? You think I can make the outfit? You talk to Ed Backstrand. He might get you a transfer after a while. Yeah, I might try it. Joe, look across the street. There's a guy coming out of the bar. Where? In front of the bar. He's standing there. Guy in the dark uh, coat, you see? Yeah. Two other guys behind him. Who is it? I can't be sure. Ben, you better pull up. Looks just like his picture. All right. Come on. All right, hold it, mister. We want to talk to you. Run for it, Al. Cover! Watch it, Joe! Ben. Other one up alley. Let's go. Did they get Hank? Yeah. All right, hold it right here. All right, Husky. Throw out your gun and come out with your hands up. All right, let's return the fire. Come on. He had his chance. Yeah. Grab his gun. Let's get back to Hank. Hmm? get the guns from the other two? Yeah, they're dead. Hank got them both. All right, one side, please. Officer, did you call an ambulance? Yeah, they're on their way. Get Come on, Ben. There. One side, please. Will you let us through? Hank, how you doing? That's a good job. Ben, will you get the crowd black? Give him some air. Would you just move back? All right, All right, easy, Hank. They'll be here in a minute. Hank? How's it going, Joe? Gone? Yeah. Come on. What have you got, Joe? Phone message from Hank's wife. For you? Yeah. You returned the call? Before we left the office. Who was it? She wanted me to remind Hank. He was due home for dinner at 7 o'clock. The story you have just heard is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. You have just heard the twelfth in a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet is furnished by the Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Patrolman James Frank Goggin of the Cleveland Police Department, who on the morning of January 13th, 1939, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. Dragnet came to you from Los Angeles. If you enjoyed tonight's production of Dragnet, you'll want to listen to Richard Diamond, Private Detective, as played by the screen's romantic tough guy, Dick Powell, heard Saturday on most of these NBC stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know what always cracks me up? Well, a lot of shit cracks me up about that show, but one of the number one things that makes me laugh is, like, how horseshit most of that is, like, dedicated to fucking Bill Dead Guy ten years before this fucking thing ever came out. <laughs> As if, you know, god damn, like, there's a thing I like about propaganda, because at least it's pretty honest. Like, it's horseshit, but it's honest horseshit, you know, kind of like the president, right? You know? <laughs> it's horseshit, but he believes that bullshit. Anyway, really funny thing to me about Dragnet is like 
<laughs> all right, like for the first year or something, it's like 48, 49 or whatever. Like the first 25 episodes or 24, I guess. They have like names like Jade Thumb Rings, Garbage Shoot, 22 Rifle for Christmas. But then, which is awesome. It's like their annual Christmas episode. They'll just play fucking 22 Rifle for Christmas, which is amazing. Um, but <laughs> at some point around episode 25, that motherfucker got real lazy and just put the word big in front of everything. So you go down, it's like big escape, big man, part two, uh, big smoke, big want, big laugh, big impossible, big boys, big gangster, big watch, big trial, big job, big carny, big joke, big false move, big revolt, big ham, big bop, big lift, big cab, big slip. Big bomb, big frame, big grab, big poison, big check, big odd, big brink, big little Jesus, big listen, big switch, big bill, big bid, big meat, big grandma, big mother, big parrot, big Betty, big TV, big cup, big saw, big note, big net, big lift, big stop, big look, big help, big cast, big children, big tomato, big Ben, big sour, big Mike, <laughs> big lens, big underground big mug big uh slug big hat big gap big red part two big juvenile division big streetcar big show big grab big limp <laughs> big fall guy big housemaid big test big paper big impression big fellow and the final one is big close and they're fucking another 275 or some shit i didn't read big bobo big genius <laughs> that's pretty fucking cool man and uh i know it's all horseshit and it's probably the antithesis of everything that's on this fucking radio show but god damn it is it funny to me <laughs> oh man Big fucking streetcar. Big revision. Big squealer. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, this is Mini Radio. Not FM. Um, there's a song I've been wanting to fucking play for a while on here. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Why I don't just fucking find it and play it. But you know me, man. Well, no, you don't know me. But you do know this much. Uh... Uh, I be thinking <laughs> and um, I like finding uh, new different fun songs and stuff and um, you know it's part of the thing I was also thinking about all those poor fuckers in uh, the Caribbean right now because I used to squat for a little while and um, I was wondering how much goddamn squatting's got to be going on. There's one island down there, like it's either it's like Antigua and like Barbados. Or, it's not Barbados, but it's some other island like that. Fucking thing has been occupied at least by somebody over the last um, what is it? Uh, how many years? Three <laughs> hundred. First time that whole island is just nobody. It's just rats and sewage and and bugs. Like God damn. But, you know, in between all that shit, somebody's got to be fucking um, squatting somewhere, you know? So, uh, I'm just thinking about that. I used to do that in um, in Richmond, California. Had to do it a, a couple of couple of times which not not fun 
<laughs> not fun at all. But, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do when you ain't got shit. Like, uh, I remember one place I was at. Both of them, my man Rodney found me. And, um, and uh, it's really, it was really kind of wild. Like, it's fucking creepy. I was working full time at this place, right? But I never made enough to do, like, the deposit and of you know and and first month so the whole time i was just sitting there just going like motherfucker i am never gonna get out of this shit but luckily i worked with somebody who eventually just said fuck it you know i got a big enough place you can stay over here so that's pretty cool anyway (laughs) no one gives a fuck george yeah i know i do but this is a cool band that i um i didn't find them but I found them uh, in my life. And uh, they're really cool. They're called the Barbarettes. And they are the coolest. I was going to play their cover. Well, maybe I will. But um, there's one that they did that's just so especially great that they sang on a rooftop called Fairy Tale. And eventually, I'm going to find it on here. But it's so weird. Uh, Here it is. Perfect. Let's see if we can do this without fucking... Yep.
it is, I believe, and it's a pretty cool tune. And I was gonna play another one. <laughs> they have the worst fucking name to look up ever, but they're they're really cool. And um, I half ass remember this from being a kid, but um, uh, ba -ba -ba. but now uh, it's easy to find their stuff now because it's all online. People have no idea how lucky you guys are. Man, motherfucker, I used to, oh, God, the video search in Miami, shit like that, just bootleg shit all the time. Anyway, this is like a fucking awesome song. It's called How to Pick Up Girls by the Little Girls. <laughs> is that is that the worst fucking title? But here we go. You should check out the video. It's on YouTube, obviously, and it's really cool. That's about all that is. Fuck. Yeah, that's me fucking up. Because I got excited. <clears throat> oh, man. Anyway, this is another great tune by another great fucking band. And uh, I got to see these guys a couple of times. They're called The Retards. Uh, this is uh, off Teenage Hate. Maybe the best fucking rock record ever? I don't know. It's up there. I like the Dwarves and shit like that, too. Their first record is really good. But this is... Um, God, I haven't listened to this in so long.
tune. <laughs> oh man, god damn it! Just um, I was thinking about god damn. There's so many great fucking songs. <laughs> wow, George, <laughs> you really nailed the shit out of that. You derpy derper. <laughs> oh man, um. Ah, god damn it! One of my favorite groups ever is still. Uh, I think I figured out exactly kind of like what I really, really like in music. I like something with a cool fucking rhythm. It, it, like this is best case scenario because I really like everything from like I was one of the early proponents of fucking no wave, but um, like I I like dissonance, I like succinctness, I like power, and I like rhythm generally you know i really don't give a fuck what you're talking about but um if you're singing something cool even better because <laughs> it's so funny uh the guy uh zach and i were talking about this the other day um how it's funny that a lot of uh like maybe the like the most powerful thing we do as humans is music like as far as affecting other people like it's beyond movies and all that other shit you know or, or even words really just pure music and he was moaning the fact that it's sad that like in that forum lyrically it's like it's thin shit <laughs> and it's very fucking true and um <laughs> one of the funniest things it was like yeah yeah you're right you're right. Well, you know, I can't help but agree because, like, even, let's say, the best, quote-unquote, you know, like, singers, songwriters and shit, it's still really thin because, you know, you're, I'm trying to tell me you're trying to pack everything in two and a half minutes. Good luck saying anything. You see, but that's weird. A comedian can say a whole hell of a lot of shit in two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes is a long time sometimes if you're standing on stage. But for some reason, there's it's like seems to be absolutely impossible to actually make. Now, it, it, we had to make a, uh, a subgenre because rap music is one of the few, and you know, actually some fucking blues. It, you can actually you can make impressive lyrical statements in a very short amount of time but about all the other fucking music it's generally guys trying to either get laid tell you how they get laid or like money or it's either money or sex or weirdly sports right <laughs> but um anyway so i was gonna play this is i think the first song i ever heard by this group how do you do and they, it's still one of the best fucking bands ever maybe mr carl Lindley Field, certainly top be a little unkind to present this picture without oh, just a word of friendly warning we are about to unfold the story of frankenstein a man of science head up to the park who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon god it is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. Don't fall high, you're a little bit 
Right on. Maybe fucking... <laughs> I love the goddamn Misfits. Oh, all right. Perfect. Weird fact. So you know that works, so <laughs> this thing I'm going to? The comedy day in the park is actually... I don't know. What is it? What fucking month it is? September? I'm going to get backwards. Thing is exactly... Like, almost exactly three months older than I... Or younger than me. I'm older than this goddamn thing that I'm going to. Not that it's depressing or anything, but depressing is thinking about Derek Jeter growing up in the same town as me, being about two years older than me, and fucking... Anyway. (laughs) Nothing like retiring and... Anyway. A zillionaire beloved by, like, the biggest, most influential-ish city in America. Except for music. Weirdly enough, my state, Michigan, has had more... Influential, cooler, more rockin' bands like that has ever come out of this fucking place. Let alone New York. It's fucked up. If you don't, if you consider just regular rock, and you take out like the um, what's their name, the Ramones, and even the New York New York Dolls. I they're maybe my favorite fucking rock band, but. But right now you're they're not like known really so <laughs> if you take are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts are you on a raft without a patter well gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm from there you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures they've got live comedy to small business advice lgbtq friendly to sports vinyl to gutter punk mutiny radio.fm has the best programming the internet ocean has to offer you i bet my peg leg on it or i ain't scurvy shit face mcrat <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. 
for a personal injury lawyer in San Francisco, look no further than Francis J. Shaheda. Mr. Shaheda did an amazing job with my case. First, he informed the courts about my case that had not been scheduled or submitted yet, despite the language on the citation. I was so confused and afraid of the legal system, but he did it all for me. He communicated promptly via email with any of my questions. I was afraid of an enormous fine for a small infraction, as well as a criminal offense on my record, but he spoke to the DA to have my case removed from criminal court and put into the community court system. I am so overwhelmingly happy with the results he generated and would recommend him to anyone with legal issues. This is a personal first-person narrative because Francis J. Shaheda helped me personally, helped Mutiny Radio go to him for personal injury issues. You can email him at www.personalinjuryattorneyfjs.com. Again, the law office of Francis J. Shaheda in San Francisco.